Hey everyone, welcome to the Port City Podcast. We hope this finds you well. We pray that the Holy Spirit will deepen us through these honest and open conversations. So settle in, take a deep breath, and join us as we continue our series on the good news. I feel like I think how you felt about the forgiveness one where I'd feel like I could sit on this more, but Mm -hmm. I I feel like objectively we can put this one to bed, but I'm still not the most sure on like the tagline for, okay, so the kingdom of heaven, like what's our, what's our, Mm -hmm. okay, from this parable, we learned that the kingdom of heaven does this. I do not say this to like in disagreement with you just for the sake of like causing a stir. But the beginning of this starts with this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And the end is like, and the reason I told you this is because it's to tell you what I mean when I say many are called for your chosen. So I do think that we can't just throw that off. He's summarizing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. When I say many are called and few are chosen, this is what I'm talking about. And the beginning of it is this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so it almost seems to me like we're drawing the, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Many are called, few are chosen. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't know what it means past that, but that seems to be, um, to me, that seems to be yeah. what he's getting at. Um, because, and, and again, with, with, uh, with the forgiveness one, like the stories are sometimes multifaceted but but we're we're trying to answer the question of what's the kingdom of heaven like and and so you could present that the kingdom of heaven is filled with people who are showing fruit mm-hmm. for sure that could be the takeaway from this um but i but i was feeling that he starts with this is god's kingdom and he ends with and this is what i mean when i say many are called few are chosen I think you maybe I, I think you're onto something. You look at what he, you know, if he says if the kingdom of heaven is like is like this, and he comes to the conclusion, many are called, few are chosen. We have to look at the rest of the story. Say, how does that inform what does many are called, few are chosen mean in the context of this story? And the chosen part is is the interesting. Um, Many are, many are called out to and few because, okay, this is the, this is the, this is exactly what you said earlier. We have whole entire views of the world based on this, like six words. Right. Um, because I think you could also read into this, like, um, many are reached out to. And in this scenario, all three groups were invited the first group was invited, second was invited, third group was invited, but only the third group um, came into the party, belonged to the party. Um, the 
but the king did not force the first two to the first two groups to come to the party and so they didn't and he also didn't force the last group to come to the party but they did um and also let's do this again this episode we're gonna have like three episodes on this one thing because i won't shut up but that's the point i will say one not a lot of people have given us feedback except one of my friends austin did and he said he liked how it felt like he was listening to friends discuss then to like professionals so and on that regard i don't feel bad about doing this because i, I yeah, think that's a little bit of the charm it out okay the i want i want to do this the ones I invited weren't up to it. Like they killed <laughs> yeah. all my servants. And yeah. he's like, yeah, the ones I invited just weren't up to it. <laughs> Go into the busiest intersections in town, invite anyone you find. Um, They rounded up everyone they laid eyes on good and bad regardless. So that's interesting. Yeah. Good and bad regardless clothed. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just opened up another. Can what of does worms. that mean? Yeah. Well, how do we like um, for the for many are called fewer chosen? Is he talking about the past people that were invited, or is he just talking about the guy that came and what and didn't have the ropes on? Like, mm. yeah, I don't know. Because him coming, he was invited, but he himself chose to not put the rope put put his robe on. Yeah. yeah. Also, I've said this before, but I'll just remind people like. Um, I think Charlie Bailey at Dry Creek, and I'm sure many people have said it, but he just told it to me and, and it stuck in my brain. Like when you get to a place in scripture that feels weird, don't don't read it once and say, ooh, and then like read it, like read it and read it and read it and read it yeah. and then you'll, things will s- stick out. And mm. yeah, interesting. I, I feel like I keep picking out different points of this and I started small and now I'm slowly like zooming out to what he has to say. And it, again, it's so interesting that Jesus t- chooses to speak in these ways and it's yeah, just not it. clear. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Which again, I'll say earlier, which it's why people the who say clear. the Bible is clear. I'm just like, yeah. He purposely... uh, have you read the story of the parable yeah, of the wedding the banquet? Those people would say, yeah, it happened. It's <laughs> yeah, clear. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, oh, great. Actually, thanks for explaining that to me. <laughs> I now no longer. Let me go think completely differently. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not going to think anymore. I'll take your word for it. Thanks for your help. <laughs> it's the safe way, right? That's safe. That's what I was going to say. It's it's safe. There's no like fear involved. There's no I mean it could be uh, yeah, but but yeah. when you just like just take, take everything it and uh, go uh, like yeah. Yeah. But then you're suddenly 22 years old and you're alone for the first time and you're sitting in your room and you're thinking Huh, is God an angry tyrant that wants to murder <laughs> people and like level cities? And you're like, you either you take two directions, you either like go and seek out an answer and realize that maybe what you grew up learning like could be readjusted, or you completely walk away from your faith because you're not going to yeah. worship a God who who is a, a a tyrant that throws tantrums, right? Yeah. And the purpose of this podcast is to hopefully <laughs> those who have that question or will hope, honestly, I hope you come to that. Like, I hope you come to the crossroads. Not everyone has to come to the crossroads like that, but I hope you do because it, for me and for my friends, 
has been a very formative experience, and I have grown very close to God because of it, and I've seen God in, in a very new, beautiful light because I did come to that crossroad, and I, and I did have that choice. And some of our friends came to that crossroad and had a very dark, sad experience. Some of them still continue to have dark, sad experiences. Some of them had it for a long time. Our friend is coming on the other end of that. And like, I now see, we now see joy in his life and he mm. loves God and he loves, like he's, he's not cynical anymore. Right. He has this like very, oh, he's less, he's less cynical. <laughs> right. And he, and he loves to talk about the good things that God is doing now. Right. So yeah. be, if you are someone who is coming to those crossroads, be patient with yourself. If you have a friend that has come to that crossroad, be patient with them. Love them. Okay. I want to do one more thing because I don't want to leave without doing it. And if it doesn't do anything, I'll cut it. But I'm. let me read the whole thing again. And we'll keep in mind the whole time that this is the summary of many are called, few are chosen. And so if we, if we have that on our minds as we're hearing it, mm-hmm. does that change what we hear? Sure. So if our goal in listening to it is that the king is the kingdom of God and Jesus is using this story um, to explain what he says when he says many are called, few are chosen, which we haven't seen that phrase in the Bible before this, but it seems like he's saying, if you've heard me say this before, this is what I mean. So with that context, let me read it again and let's just see if anything else uh, pops. Pop off, King. God's kingdom is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out servants to call in all the invited guests, and they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the guests, Look, everything is on the table. The prime rib is ready for carving. Come to the feast. They only shrugged their shoulders and went off. One to weed his garden, another to work in his shop. The rest, with nothing better to do, beat up on the messengers and killed them. The king was outraged and sent his soldiers to destroy those thugs and level their city. Then he told his servants, We have a wedding banquet all prepared, but no guests. The ones I invited weren't up to it. Go out into the business intersections in town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. The servants went out on the streets and routed up everyone they laid eyes on, good and bad, regardless. And so the banquet was on, every place filled. When the king entered and looked over the scene, he spotted a man who wasn't properly dressed. He said to him, Friend, how dare you come in here looking like that? The man was speechless. Then the king told his servants, Get him out of here fast. Tie him up and ship him to hell and make sure he doesn't get back in. And that's what I mean when I say many get invited, but only a few can make it. And that's when the Pharisees plotted a way to trap him into saying something damaging. Um, that's hmm. the first line of the next verse. I don't know, does that do anything for you or are we still in the same place that we were? Does it move the needle? Um, it did just have me thinking of like how much Israel is offered this this life 
this like new way or this good way prior to Christ, and yet they choose violence every time. They choose to kill the prophets. Yeah, we we haven't even brought up the fact that this might not be about Christians and non-Christians. It might be literally about the fact that Israel turns away from Jesus. It could it doesn't it doesn't have to be like prophetic. It could right. have been about right then. Yeah. And he's like, um, God wants like the father is throwing a a banquet for the son. Like the son is here I am. Is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and he's invited he's invited his esteemed guests multiple times. And chosen pe- they, chosen people. Yeah, he's right. he's right. In, he's invited the ones who we expect to be there multiple times. He's also and he's pleaded with them like, not only is this for the son, but also there's going to be lots of food and it's <laughs> like it's it's the party, it's, yeah. it's the place to be. It is like, um, and their response was like, I'd rather, I'd rather go to work, clean the garden and with nothing better to do, beat up the servants, than go to your party. Mm. Yeah. So maybe it's, maybe he's just telling this to the Pharisees even too. Like maybe those first are just like the, because obviously the, it's not just, I don't, I don't, I don't have any business equating this to Jews personally. I don't know any enough about, Jewish culture to make any sort of claims on that. But, um, but it's interesting about, yeah, who, who are those called? Is, is he talking to the the Pharisees and the, is he just talking to like the religious people who are unwilling to see that the son is God? Is that, is that what it is? Like, um, the father's presenting the son and you don't want any part of it. Is I mean, it's also interesting that he uses the metaphor of a wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah. Because we particularly see the language of the wedding ceremony when Christ is here. But right. he is using it prior, if we're going to read it like that. Right. He's, he's using it throughout all of history. Right. And like later in in Ephesians when Paul I don't know, I'm just thinking about yeah, how how God like how God uses the wedding ceremony to define yeah. his covenant with yeah. Israel. Yeah. And then with us now and then Jesus and his bride. Like so yeah. it's just interesting that he uses that metaphor. Like they would have known that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to bring up a few things here. So Jesus tells this. So that's what I mean when I say many get invited, only few make it. That's when the Pharisees plot a way to trap him. Um, because we see that before this story, the Pharisees can't arrest him because he's got the public approval. And so the Pharisees are trying to turn the people against him. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, they send their disciples and say, teacher, we know you have integrity. Teach the way of God accurately and are indifferent to popular opinion. 
don't pander to your students to tell us honestly, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus knew they're up to no good. And he said, why are you playing these games with me? (laughs) What are you trying to, are you trying to trap me? Why are you trying to trap me? Do you have a coin? Let me see it. This engraving, who does it look like? Whose name is on it? They said, Caesar, give to Caesar what is his and give to God what is his. The Pharisees were speechless. They went off shaking their heads. The same day, Sadducees approached him. This is the party that denies any possibility of resurrection. So I also think that's an important thing. Um, Mm. We talked about context earlier, and I think context is really important both into what's happening before and after an event, but also in that all of this is being written, like this is being written after the resurrection and and a time after. It's self-aware of what is going to happen. Because the author is saying, the Sadducees, the ones that deny any possibility of the resurrection, like, you know, so that he's giving us clues as like, these people also didn't, these are also the, the Jews who did not. They didn't believe in any yeah, sort of afterlife. It's, it's not, sort it's, of right. They didn't even, they didn't, it's not that they believed Jesus was resurrected, but wasn't God. They denied any the resurrection. resurrection. All, yeah. all the same. They asked, this is the whole thing about Moses saying, if, if uh, Moses said, if a man dies childless, his brother is obligated to marry his widow and get her with child. Here's a case where there were seven brothers. The first brother married and died, leaving no child, and his wife passed to his brother. second brother also left her childless, and the third, and on and on. Eventually, the wife died. Now, here's our question. At the resurrection, whose wife is she? She was a wife of each of them. Jesus answered, you're off base on two counts. You don't, <laughs> so you don't know your Bibles. <laughs> and, you, and you don't know how God works. <laughs> That's so funny. Dang. I love Eugene Peterson. Um, <laughs> at the resurrection, we're beyond marriage, as with the angels all are. So it's just they keep trying to trap him, and he keeps trying to say, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you, you know what I love, too, about that? You have, he's saying pointedly at the beginning of that, this is people who do not believe that there will be a resurrection. And what did they ask him? A question about, what's going to happen in the resurrection if you have, if you've been married a few times, right? right. <laughs> like they will, they don't even believe that this is even a, a thing that's going to happen. It's fascinating. Okay. Then we get to the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees. Um, so then they say, teacher, which command in God's law is most important? Trying to trap him again. And he says, love the Lord your God, love your yourself, gives him all that thing. Then we get to the Pharisees were regrouping. Jesus caught him off balance with his own question. So now he gets his chance to like get them. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said David's son. Jesus replied, well, if Christ is David's son, how do you explain that David, under inspiration, named Christ his master? God said to my master, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, if David calls him master, how can he at the same time be his son that stumped them literalist they were unwilling to risk losing <laughs> face again in one of these public verbal exchanges they quit asking questions for good he literally made is making the point that i was making earlier that you can read into yeah things if you want them to be there right like we're oh well the, the bible says that you're the son of david how could you be the son of god and the son of david it's like that's not the point <laughs> yeah you're like reading, you're being a literalist, you're reading into it when it's not meant supposed to, it's not supposed to be like that. I also love how Jesus is speaking to these people who also approached scripture with their own biases. Right. Or like what they thought. Right. And then he's like, 
yeah, you've heard it this way, but like here I am telling you that it's this way. Like if we allow him to, I think the Lord does that with us every day. Like, Hey, you've been reading it this way because of what you've been taught. But like, yeah, this is what, right. It actually may mean, I don't know. But yeah, well that, the, that's the thing that we were saying before is Jesus Christ is the revelation of the father. Right. He is the revelation of the father, not the Bible. Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is every, I and the father are one. He is everything that the father is. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we come like the Pharisees to the scriptures with our own biases of what we think Jesus is like, that's why Garrett said it. Like you, you can't say that you can like, it's such a weird tension because like yeah. you read and this is who he is, but also the spirit informs you right. as well. So there's this like knowledge and heart thing happening as well. But to just say you have to worship the God of the Bible, well, you're coming to the God of the Bible with your own biases. So it's the spirit that has to inform, you know, because the spirit is also God. Right. Because, like, didn't the Pharisees worship the God of Scripture? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I think Dan McClellan, who's a... a, a, um, Biblical critic? Yeah, it's not not a theologian, but like a, a Bible and religion scholar. He argues that there is no God of the Bible because it's solely dependent on, he doesn't mean there is no God. He's saying there right. is no yeah. God of the Bible because the right. Bible doesn't even make a, a clear, concise, collected case because not only are we all reading God of the Bible differently based on our experiences, but also the different writers are writing about the God of the Bible based on their experiences. And so it's all just, anyway, yeah. Right. Well, like I was thinking today about the Catholic and Orthodox tradition is that they say that, like, it's all passed, it's all tradition. It's all passed down. What we believed in the first century as the Catholic or Orthodox Church, even though they split, whatever, like, is still what we believe about God today because it's all tradition being passed down. There's like things that have been discussed and debated and are still being discussed and debated, but like the fundamentals of the creed that like God is, that Jesus is the son of God, that Mary was born of a virgin, that the Holy Spirit, Mary, not Mary, well. Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, some believe in the conception of Mary. Okay, But sorry. that Jesus is, uh, but that's what I meant, um, that Jesus yeah. was born of a virgin. And that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. Like these all were things that they like agreed upon mm-hmm. for like first century, second century. And then they were like, we passed this down. Yeah. Um, and this is how we like profess. This is what we profess as the faith. But for Protestants, it's a little bit hazier. <laughs> yeah. This is our lot because we don't really have a creed, you know? Like, we are the church, but we're also not the church because we don't have unification of mm. what everybody says that we, what is the fundamental 
Okay, I think we're done for the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. However, <laughs> I think we were done a little bit ago, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. However, I will say it seems like I was wrong. There are not 10, there are 11. Because when we get to Matthew 25, we get God's kingdom is like 10 young virgins. And then we get to verse 14, it says, It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. Mm-hmm. A little bonus parable. So next a little, time, a little holiday. <laughs> next time we meet, we will um, discuss those two. Oh, we're at the last ones? Yeah, this is 10 and now 11. Wow. So next time we meet, we'll hit those. I thought we would get through the virgins one tonight, but foolish I was. (laughs) 